The second reading uh, today is Paul's letter to the Romans, starting with uh, chapter 8, the 11th verse through 28. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of God. As we just heard so powerfully read before us by our brother, this promise in Romans 8 
This promise that God gives us lets us know that he is holding in his hands our past, our present, and our future for good. The scripture doesn't say all things are good, but he says that he is in all things working for our good. It's the promise that we hear in Romans 8 for what this new life looks like. Past, present, and future. A survivor of a, a shipwreck in a story I read this week about a man who washed ashore in an uninhabited island, found himself praying fervently that God would send someone to rescue him. And as he prayed, and no ships or planes seemed to come near, he decided to start building a hut to protect himself, and he was even able to build a fire for warmth, and then he began uh, continuing his servant prayers, then hiking around this little island looking for food. But if that wasn't bad enough, exhausted as he was, it got worse. <laughs> because as he returned back to his hut, only to find it lit on fire, a flame from his little fire that he'd set for himself. And now he wasn't just praying fervently. He was angry. God, why did you allow this to happen? What are you doing? Only the next morning to be woken up to the sound of a ship coming to his rescue. And when he finally was rescued and boarded on the ship, he said, how did you know I was here? How did you ever find me? Well, we saw your smoke signal, they says. Notice, God did not call good the fact that he was shipwrecked. God did not call good that his protection, his hut was caught on fire. But this little story illustrates that God in the midst of the shipwrecks and brokenness in our lives, he continues faithfully to be, even despite and sometimes unknown to us, working for our good. Working for our good. I heard a, a Bible teacher this week use a phrase that caught my attention. She said, uh, the promise of God as we know it in earth 3.0. Earth 3.0, that is what we proclaim and confess in the creed each week when, when Christ will restore all things, when he will come again and make a new heaven and a new earth. As the book of Revelation says, where there will be no more tears. 
Well, this picture of Earth 3.0 got me thinking about, well, what about Earth 1.0 and 2.0? Our past, our present, and our future. In Earth 1.0, we heard about that in Romans chapter 5, culminating in this argument here in chapter 8 about how the old Adam, the first Adam, the humanity itself, after God breathed life into us, into his creation, and formed us and made us, quickly we brought death. And we've lived under that and still feel that Earth 1.0 has not yet gone away. But God's promise wasn't done. And so Christ came to dwell among us. His word dwelt among us. God came in the flesh, fully man and fully God. And a new history began, Earth 2.0. Now, Earth 1.0, I talked about this. We talked about Romans 5, didn't go away, but This 2.0 version came and coincides with us. And in this 2.0, this present world that we live in, with the end of the age that we now live in, we live in an age where God has dwelt among us and his Holy Spirit, as you heard in verse 11, For all those in Christ, he dwells in you. I like how the the message version translates that. But God himself has taken residence in your life. So how do we deal with the, the shipwreck and fires of this world, of our lives, the brokenness that comes even into our homes? And into our daily walk, he's taken residence in your life and in my life. As he brought life into this world through his word, that word now dwells in you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God takes residence in your life. And he does that, as we hear in Romans 8 today, deliberately in the spirit of adoption. The first century church would have recognized in the first century world when God spoke these words through the Apostle Paul, would have known that the spirit of adoption not only extends God's name to us, But we receive in that his inheritance of the family and the estate. And then the responsibility to care for that estate and to advance that estate to share that inheritance with the whole world. And so in Earth 2.0, God dwells with us, takes residence in our life, and he does it deliberately. Have you thought about the fact that God has deliberately chosen you? Called you by name to take residence in your life. 
And what does that look like? Well, as we heard on Ash Wednesday in Matthew, we hear now on this first Sunday in Lent in Romans that that looks like an invitation to call on God as Father, Abba. Now, scholars will uh, sometimes argue about this, but as best as I can tell, only Jesus, not even the Jews of the day, would dare to call God Abba. And that's what he invites you and I to do in this 2.0 world that we now live in. It's the name we get here in the text. This personal name for God, Father. Some have said even, it's so personal, Daddy. The name we get in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus teaches us to pray. You know, this invitation to come to God with everything, even the groanings of our hearts that we can't find, as we heard in verse 26, words for. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible to pray. There are times in my life where I'll just say, it's one of those groaning prayers, Lord. That I need your spirit to intercede to the Father on. And I know we don't like to talk about those kind of days in our lives, those groanings. Or as one translation puts it, the cries of our hearts that words cannot express. But I know that many of us are walking through many of those days. I know because just this week, three of our sisters and brothers in Christ have left version 2.0 and entered life eternal in 3.0 and see their Savior face to face. And we will pray for them today and their families who still living and walking as yet by faith miss them, knowing the hope that they now know face to face. I know because some of you seated here today are walking through hardship in your home or in your work life or grieving someone that you miss dearly. And God says to you and to me, you get to call me Father, Abba. And even if you don't have the words, the indwelling, the Holy Spirit who's taken residence in your life will intercede for you with the groans of your heart that words cannot express. We don't like to talk about these groanings. I mean, for example... When you see someone post on, on social media the, the joy of new life, a baby born, it, it's, it's always with the, the mom now holding that new baby and sometimes the mom and the dad together and celebrating this new life. Almost never do you see someone posting a picture of the mom grimacing during labor, Right? But all of us know it took place. (laughs) And in this 2.0 world, we experience the groans of labor. Jesus groaned and wept for his friend Lazarus. Jesus cried out over the city. Jesus cried out on the cross. 
God isn't making these troubles for us so that we can learn a lesson. No, the troubles are not from God. But he is with us. His Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is dwelling in us, taking residence and interceding for us. So that now that we live in this new life and have this adopted name and extend God's inheritance and share it with this new calling and vocation that you and I both have to share this inheritance with the whole world, we get to participate in this present age to let the world know that 3.0 is coming. And there's nothing in this life that can stop it. And there are those who have gone ahead of us and now see Jesus face to face. But until then, we get to participate with God with us and in interceding for us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like uh, insufficient to the task. And it's usually because instead of living a life in the spirit, I'm trying to do it with the, own, the, the, the strength of my own back, right? Some years ago, there was a young person who wanted to become a logger and they showed their fine skills to a company and they were given a job, hired on and came in on Monday and outperformed everyone with their axe, falling more trees. But Tuesday, the drop-off, is even though he, he still showed up early and stayed late. The Tuesday drop-off on his production was pretty huge. But he continued to work as hard as he could. By Wednesday, the production got even worse. And his foreman came to him and said, I'm sorry we don't usually do this, but it's gotten so bad, we're just going to give you your paycheck and let you go now. Why would you do that? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard. I'm, uh, I'm doing everything I can. He said, I know, but did you ever stop to sharpen your axe? When we do it by our power, it becomes insufficient. We need the Holy Spirit who dwells in us to sharpen our acts and live by the Spirit's power, not our own. And he does that through his word, that two-edged sword. And even though we groan and cry out, he keeps shaping us and forming us and letting us participate in the inheritance that he has given And so the strength of the axe is not our own, but the sword of the Spirit who dwells in us. And so we don't have to be afraid of the brokenness that we surely see, whether it's on the streets of Santa Fe this past week with the dear loss of an officer, or on our own streets, or across the world as we see the brokenheartedness continuing to ravage or even closer to your life and mine. 
God says, for in all things he works for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is working for our good. His spirit has taken residence in your life. His word is sharpening us and challenging us and showing us how to live. He's dealing with our past and redeeming it. Our present, and he is with us. And he holds, he holds our future in his hands. And so the chapter ends with this promise, and that's where we'll end in his word today as we hear it before us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in your past, nothing in your presence, nothing in your past or present can separate you from the love of God, from this promise, from this new life. Amen.